Shut up and sit down. What's up, guys? Welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 29 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast. I'm your host, Daryl, as always. And this episode of the podcast is brought to you by cultural appropriation because you can't do shit these days without somebody calling you a racist. Um, Sunny day in London today, guys. But um, in all seriousness, we are brought to you by cultural appropriation because... You can't do anything these days without somebody calling you a fucking racist. Um, I was, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but <laughs> this girl in America went to, um, went to her prom with uh, a dress that she found in a, I don't know, in a vintage shop or something like that. And if you know what I'm talking about, she got this, she got this dress and it's a, it's, I'm going to put it in air quotes for the for the purpose of the cultural appropriation conversation um she was a white girl and she found one of those silk chinese dresses you know those uh body fitting uh dresses with the kind of design and they're silk and they come in all kinds of nice colors and well this is what she wanted to wear to her prom and she like any high school girl that's going to their prom, you know, she posted pictures with her date and all of that sort of thing. And of course, the Twitter mom came out and started attacking her for cultural appropriation, saying that she was racist and that, you know, there is uh, one guy, I think in particular, uh, who was uh, Chinese or of... Asian heritage and you know he just went off you know just in a vile way just my culture is not yours to take and you know and then obviously the the social justice warriors piggybacked on that saying this is a typical white girl white privilege move taking something from another culture you know without their permission and I'm just I mean, it's, it's just, it's insane. Let's be honest. What are we talking about here, right? We're talking about cultural appropriation, right? Using, we're not talking about blackface, okay? We're not talking about, you know, an inherently racist move that was used to marginalize a minority community, right? We're not talking about blackface, we're talking about wearing a Chinese dress, which I'm a fan of. I think, you know, if you've got the figure to rock it, they can look quite, quite nice. We're talking about clothing. We're talking about food. We're talking about hairstyles. We're talking about such superficial nonsense that I just had to, I just had to kind of poke at it a little bit because I just think it's so absurd, right? Like on one hand, we want to claim inclusiveness and everybody's welcome, right? And I'm talking about like the progressive left here. We want to talk about inclusiveness and, you know, everybody's welcome at this party. We don't care about your race, your color, your creed. It doesn't matter. Everybody's welcome. Except if you are influenced by that integration right black people having to go at white people (laughs) putting cornrows in their hair or like chefs that aren't Mexican making Mexican food or you know whatever (laughs) whatever like there's so many different examples of this of this nonsense um for one just going back to this girl who uh wore the chinese dress um at her prom if you actually know anything about that style of dress the uh form fitting nature of the design is not the original design they used to be loose because they were actually um what women wore to like do their clothes uh chores in, in in china before they had this redesign 
and actually that the redesign um, to a more form-fitting uh, cut, I guess, um, the more form-fitting cut was actually like a women's liberation choice. They did that to show that they were that they were that they were their own thing, that their own that the, that they had their own mind, that they had their own desires, that they had their own wants. It was like, no, we're not going to represent that uniform for that job, which encapsulate us. We're going to redesign it and show you that we are something. We are beautiful. We do stand up and uh, and, and survive on our own two feet in a way, right? So there's a liberation aspect of that. Um, and completely missed by everything that I saw regarding the backlash of this um, of this nonsensical issue, um, but I just think it's I just think it's really really weak. It's a it's a really weak thing to say. You want to be all encompassed and like I said, completely inclusive on one hand, but you don't want any bleed. Right. You don't want you don't want the lines to be blurred or bleed into each other. We want that's them. That's them. That's them. We can all play at the party, but we can't cross over kind of thing, which is ludicrous to me. Right. I mean, what are we talking about? We're we talking about um, the fact that Ikea just admitted that their meatballs aren't Swedish and they're actually Turkish. Are we talking cultural appropriation? Like, should we have a, should the backlash against Ikea be that they've culturally appropriated Turkey's food because of the, their meatballs are delicious? Like, like what about fusion foods and, and like, like, like dreadlocks and cornrows are not an African thing. They're actually like, uh, I think like ancient Rome or uh, the Vikings or like like those sort of I think that's the first like original uh, recognition of like dreadlocks and cornrows and, and, and hairstyles like that. So again, what the fuck are we talking about? We wanna we wanna push out this idea of a melting pot, right? Everybody's in a melting pot. Every country's a melting pot. The only country that's not really a melting pot, you know, other than like some kind of staunch conservative Muslim Arab countries are is basically like Japan they're very very kind of insulated they have been for some time I mean there's a bit of an outreach now in terms of like wanting uh, foreigners to move into the country and and different things like that but they've got a birth rate issue and, and, and all of that kind of crazy stuff as well but like this isn't about people stealing stuff it's about culture, right? The way we get to the best version of ourselves is by taking the best bits that every culture around the world has to offer. Because if we extrapolate this out, all of this stuff is going away anyways, right? The, the fact of like identifying just specific cultures and things like that. I mean, ultimately, if the world continues to grow, we're all going to be living together anyways. I mean, I live in London and... I mean, there couldn't be more cultures in a city, <laughs> you know. Um, am I going to walk around in some traditional Arab gear? No. But don't a lot of these people out there who are talking about assimilation and things like that want these like, these cultural symbols dropped and they want them, them to appropriate our culture? Right, like it's it's just such a, a a weird thing to have a problem with, um, and I just, I, I mean, I put it time, I put it down to people having too much fucking time on their hands and having life way too easy. Because when you're struggling to eat, or when you're struggling to make ends meet, you don't worry about shit like this. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. What are we talking about? Attacking a teenage girl because she decided to wear a Chinese style dress to her prom. I mean, the people who have attacked her should be absolutely ashamed of themselves. It's it, it's so weak and so gross and makes me just, ugh, it's just fucking, ugh, it's gross. The virtue signaling, like I want to stand up and say, I'm not for this stealing of this culture. What the fuck are you talking about? 
Like, you're not seeing, like, Johnny Accountant walking down the road wearing a fucking sombrero and a uh, and a poncho, right? But if a hippie wants to walk around wearing fucking dreadlocks or whatever, who cares? Like, who cares? That's that's the kind of thing, right? Who, who fucking cares? But I have to address it because they're making an issue of it and and like acting like it's okay it's the whole michelle wolf thing right you want to stand by and have all these fucking lies told to you all the time and you brush them aside but the minute somebody confronts that in a comedic way you try to tear her limb from limb get the fuck it's it's just it's really weak it's really weak and i see right through it and i smell it and it smells like shit smells disgusting um so i think people need to like there's an element of and i know it sounds kind of like archaic and a bit like you know i think people just need to man the fuck up sometimes like we're becoming this real cuck like society and it's just like you know stiff breeze knocks these fucking people over and they want to cry about anything i mean fuck Go through something, man. Experience an actual hardship and come and talk to me about whether or not you've got time to complain that a girl on Twitter posted a picture of a prom dress and you recognized it as her steam. Fuck it. You got time for that? Hilarious. You know, you can't go after people like that. You can't go after a comedian because she's making fun of the president or his press secretary, you know? I think it's just really, really weak. Um, somebody asked me yesterday or the other day, uh, what do you think about this this North Korea thing? Do you think Donald Trump deserves credit for it? And like, I almost didn't really have to think too, too much about it. <coughs> but... Like, if, do you want my opinion? <laughs> if you want my opinion, like you've got a choice. You're either listening or you're not. So what I think about it is, yes, he most certainly, most certainly deserves credit for ushering these uh, conversations between North Korea and South Korea with the potential possibility, some say it's never going to happen, and, you know, I have my skepticisms about it as well, but they're talking about the potential of a denuclearized Korean peninsula and a reunified, potentially, Korean peninsula, right? The conversations that are happening between the two countries haven't happened in 70 years. So it's significant. And it's absolutely got a shit ton to do with Donald Trump, right? Right. But then people were like, you know, some of the commentary out there was, well, this is going to get him reelected. Like, this is it. Like some people, are, some of these Republicans in America are hilarious. They're calling for like a Nobel Peace Prize. And I get it. Like, I get what they're going for. But what they're really doing is they're peacocking. Right. And I think we have to be really careful and keep this in perspective, because is this a good thing? The opening of discussions, the hand-holding that we're seeing between North and South Korea, 100% is the potential of new, uh, of North Korea um, basically dismantling their nuclear weapons program a good thing? 100%. The proliferation of nuclear weapons is not good at all, right? Full stop. But if you get a, a dictatorship to drop their nuclear artillery their nuclear arsenal then that's a very very good thing right so all of this are positive signs all of this points to a potentially good outcome for peace so that's fantastic and donald trump deserves a ton of credit for this i'll say it again i like I know in past episodes, I shit on this guy, right? I'm not done shitting on this guy. Not by a fucking stretch. But I am also not ignorant enough to ignore credit where credit is due. Now, put it in perspective. The only reason 
this made any progress is because you have one nutcase being bullied by a second, bigger, more powerful nutcase. That is it. Because everybody before Trump has gone through the diplomacy route, right? Because we care about foreign relations. Uh, we care about uh, multilateral diplomacy and enforcement of, of kind of global norms and things like that. So everybody before Donald Trump has gone down the diplomatic route, which is ideally what you want the resolution to come from. But when, when North Korea starts posturing and doing these nuclear tests and, and acting, you know, kind of, you know, kind of crazy, that, that has a provocative nature to people who want to exercise diplomacy at its fullest capacity, right? When you start doing that to a guy that's twice as crazy as you or equally crazy as you and is not in any way, shape, or form afraid of going full retard on a situation, you get a different outcome. And sometimes bullies need to be bullied in, term, in order to snap out of it. So when Trump says, if you fire anything, you're going to see hell rain down on you like you've never seen before, and then said it again in in front of the entire world at the United Nations, this little Kim Jong-un, or Kim Jong-il, whatever his name is, um, he was like, oh shit, he, he is fucking crazy. Maybe I shouldn't do this, or my entire country, my legacy and any history of me ever existing, or my family ever existing, will be wiped off the face of the earth in a, a matter of hours. When he realized that the guy running the states would actually do that or would would make it seem like he would actually do that, the little man shit himself, right? So all that happened was that one crazy fucker said to another crazy fucker, hey, listen, dickhead, I'm way bigger and way more powerful, and my shit actually works. So shut your mouth, or you'll be disappeared. <laughs> you'll be ghosted. And the guy was like, oh yeah, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't do that, right? Self-preservation kicked in. Now, this does not remove any of the other downfalls of Donald Trump. And we should be very, very wary of strongman tactics being the caveat for overall success. The U.S. has a military like the world has never, ever known, right? Uncategorical. This thing is a world ender. Their military is a world ender. They have a nuclear arsenal that is, what, five times bigger than their, the next closest competitor, which is Russia. Trump's just put fucking something like, what was it, 50 billion into the new military. It might even be more than that. I might be talking out of my ass. But it's a significant amount of money to make the military even stronger. Why? Because that's what fucking bullies do. Under the surface, they're weak, they're insecure, they're they're not confident as they appear on the outer, but they they use overt measures, right? They scream people down, they push people around. The problem is what a bully needs to stop being a bully is exactly what Trump did to North Korea. He smacked them. He verbally smacked them and said, stay in your fucking lane. That's what bullies need. There's no bully on earth that can do that to Trump and he knows it. So don't, let, let's try not to set a precedent in terms of bullying being this thing that we put on a poster 
especially when it's happening at a national, multinational scale. I, again, agree that he deserves all the credit for the potential positive outcome that is possible now with these conversations. But all the other stuff, that doesn't get lumped into this. We have to be pragmatic in our thinking about our politicians, their policies, their manifestos, the way they conduct themselves professionally, personally. You know, we this is it's a statement a statement statesman position. You have to be of a certain caliber whereby your integrity and your overall character is concerned. So him bullying this other crazy fucker does not negate the fact that he continues to bully people in his own government, both in and across the aisle from his party. He's basically trying to segregate a country away from, <laughs> from America, right? Being Mexico in their wall. And just a note on that, that wall will not do a fucking thing, by the way. All it will do is drive people into more dangerous parts of the desert. So his his plan is not just a deterrent. It's deterrent by death. Because what you do by building the wall in the way that he's doing it, and you can look into this, is he's funneling these people into areas of the desert that are extremely dangerous and therefore um, the mortality rate and the, and, the, and, the, and the percentage that you're going to die of exposure, dehydration, etc. in these particular areas where the funnels will push you is, ex is, is much more extreme than it would be just straight pathing over the wall or under the wall or whatever, right? So that's all this is. It's not going to stop people trying to come over and it's not going to stop people getting to America. It's a, um, it's a way of racking up bodies. And what they're hoping to do is by having more and more bodies pile up that the stories filter back to the places of origin where these people come from and they stop trying and it never works. And um, if you want a little bit more information in terms of the origins of the increase, dramatic increase and dramatic rise in death toll where, um, where illegal immigrants crossing the Mexico-U.S. border is concerned, there's a trilogy uh, series on Radiolab uh, that was brought out. I can't remember what the actual title of the series is, but it's really good and it's not very long. Each episode's about 30 or 40 minutes um, and there's three of them. They're really good. I think the first one's called uh, A Hole in the Wall um, and then one's called Plugging the Gap or something like that, but it's really good and the guys at Radiolab are phenomenal and definitely a beacon of standard, you know, in terms of what news and investigative journalism should be. And reporting on really interesting subjects. Those guys are just great. Um, and they are completely funded by donations from the public, which makes them, you know, a completely unbiased entity. And it shows in the content that they produce. It's really, really good. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think I trailed off a little bit there. Um, oh, yeah. So, like I was saying, the, the North Korea thing is great. And we, uh, we need to silo that in terms of that's definitely something he should get credit for, right? But what he shouldn't get credit for is the way he's talking talking uh, about, again, people of his own party, people um, of color. Uh, the, you know, he's got something like 12 pending sexual harassment cases against him. Right? I mean, wait till the tax cuts set in. Everybody's like, oh, he stimulated the economy. Yes, he has stimulated the economy to an extent, but we also talk about the economy in cycles. And unless you know the economy 
cycle and how that's projected, it's following a trend. Now, him, de you know, kind of putting all these deregulations in place, of course, that's going to help as well. But to what end? Right? If you deregulate so that factories don't have to worry about carbon emission output and things like that, you're, you're playing a, 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 um, a net negative game, right? Because ultimately you're killing the world. All you're doing ultimately is, is a quick um, cash grab for yourself and for your buddies and future, future generations can go and fuck themselves. And that was not, only the, not the only reason that Scott Pruitt was testifying uh, to a Senate committee, um, but it was certainly one of them. I mean, this guy doesn't even believe in climate change. He's a, he's a, he's a climate change um, denier, and that's the guy running the Environmental Protection Agency in America. So, you know, like he's had, Trump's had more turnover, and he's had almost, I think, almost 100% turnover in his cabinet. He's just, um, he just announced... Pompeo um, as a new Secretary of State, right? Because he fired his buddy uh, Rex. So, I mean, to, to act like his government's not in a state of um, chaos would be foolish. But I think he deserves credit where credit's due. He also deserves massive criticism where criticism is due. And please, 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 please shut the fuck up about a Nobel Peace Prize until this something actually may happen. And even then, it was a you're going to give a Nobel Peace Prize based on threats of nuclear destruction. I'll leave that there, right? So, um, any sports fans out there, I'd love to get your thought on this because, like, I used to be a um, a staunch NBA fan. Never missed a game. Could read you out the stat lines on most of the players. Um, but then I grew up and had other shit to do and couldn't keep up with it. And then the NBA turned into something that I wasn't, I wasn't happy with and I'm still not. And one of the aspects, this is minor, right? Because my problems with the game are on court rather than off court. However, one of the things that's kind of led to all of this commercialization and kind of dumbing down of basketball is this fashion show that seems to happen before every game. Like it used to be, it used to, it used to just be, here's the players coming into the, um, into the arena, right? They were coming through the, uh, like the parking garage area or whatever, through the tunnels and they would, they would walk in and you see Jordan coming through in his huge baggy suit, right? And then, you know, whatever. What, but there was nothing said about, oh, this is what he's wearing. This is who his suit maker is. This is what the shoes are. These are his sunglasses. Now, you got Russell Westbrook walking down the tunnel, looking like a homeless person, literally, rips in his shirts, rips in his pants. The fucking shirt he's wearing is like, if it's not six times too big for him, it's, you know, floral pattern with like, you know, painted on jeans and like a top hat or some shit, you know, and I'm just like, and they're commenting on the fashion. I'm just like, what are we, what are we doing here? It's like a runway show before the NBA game. And I just think it's fucking, it's so weak. It's just really weak. And I don't, I don't know where the fashion element, like, like I get that these guys are like cultural stars and, and things like that, but like the game's got to be about the game. We've gone so far away from, from the game in its actual form, um, it, which is one of the reasons I kind of left it, which is, you know, really sad to me. Um, really, really sad to me. So um, I haven't been watching it. Uh, I don't watch the NBA anymore. I might catch some highlights, uh, but that's that's literally about it. But I saw this and I've been seeing it like on Instagram and shit. And I'm just like, when did this happen? Like, when did this transition happen where this was like a major part of the event? I mean, just get to the fucking game, play some defense and grind it out. You know, um, that's what I miss about basketball. Um, so yeah, my two cents on the, uh, on the uh, increased 
fashionista nature of uh, of the NBA. It's uh, it's a bit weak. I'll tell you what I have been watching though, which is, I mean, it's it's brilliant, brilliant TV. Um, if you guys have Amazon Prime, which you may or may not, um, I think it's actually a fucking great service. But uh, if you have Amazon Prime, there's a show on there called All or Nothing. And basically what it is, is a reality show, but it's not like uh, Keeping Up with the Kardashians reality show. I mean, it's produced and it's edited and all that, of course, but it's effectively following around a, and there's a few, epi- there's a few seasons on there. Um, but the ones that, I have just finished watching, and the one that I'm currently in uh, were about. One was about an NFL team, and they follow them around. So they follow them in the locker room, through training camps, through the games, through the highs and the lows of the season. And then that was following the Dallas Cowboys because they were going through a transition period and so on and so forth. And it was about, you know, the ups and downs of the season. The second one I'm watching is about the Michigan Wolverines. Um, college football team and I mean these are just they're just great episodes I'm not going to run you through it or anything like that but basically it's a it's kind of like a you get to see their families where they come from you get to see them fighting for positions you get to see them going through injuries and rehabs and the coaches and you know coaching staff being let go and you know players being cut or benched and you know all of this and you see them winning and celebrating and losing and you know all it's amazing you got to check it out if you're if you're into sports, if you're into competition, if you're into reality television, if you're into drama, if you're into comedy, you know, it's just a really good series all around. So I highly recommend it um, across the board. It's it's uh, it's very good. So if you have Amazon Prime, uh, there was another one on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, they did two seasons of that uh, called... Uh, last chance you and that was slightly different because these guys had all come from either uh, different schools and flunked out or gotten in trouble with the law or you know their grades weren't good enough or whatever it was right Um, and then they would go to this place in southern Mississippi or central Mississippi or something like that where the coach was a complete dickhead Um, but it was like come here we beat we haven't lost a game in five years or whatever it is um we beat teams like 75 nothing um and if you put on a show here you'll get scouted out and potentially end up back in another d1 school or you know it's kind of like your stepping stone of redemption um so that's on netflix and that's another one that's kind of like uh, all or nothing really really good shows um so 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 check those out uh for for sure um but yeah, I'm all obsessed with like outdoor stuff these days because I've said to you guys before, I had my garden redone and now I'm getting a pizza oven built and a patio built up out there and things like that. So I go, I go down these fucking rabbit holes of like constructing uh, wood fire pizza ovens and and the bases and how to pour concrete tabletops and things like that. And, you know... I'm all for giving it the good old try, right? And and really kind of just getting the materials and all that shit. But like, I don't have any tools. <laughs> like, I'm not a handyman. So, like, I don't have, you know, four different types of saws. I don't have, um, like, I don't fucking know. Like, <laughs> whatever. Whatever you need. Like, I don't have chisels and hammers and mallets and cement mixers and, you know, shit like this. I don't, I don't like, you know, um like the squares and different things like that and le- like levels. I don't have all that. So I'm going to hire somebody <laughs> and I'm going to have it built. Um, but nevertheless, now that I've kind of earmarked this project as like, you know, the next step of building out what I want the summer garden to look like, I go down these rabbit holes. I've watched well over 300 videos of people making pizza ovens. Um, so, so there's that. Um, and maybe that's pretty sad, but you know, it's just funny how we get our, get wrapped up into these things and then I'll have the pizza oven and it'll be great. Cause I can make steak and I can slow cook and I can make bread and all that stuff. 
Maybe it's a silly investment in London because we're going to get about three weeks of sunshine. So that's my window of opportunity, you know, unless I build a canopy over it and I can go out there in the rain and the cold and build some shit, which I probably will. Um, but I've just gone down this uh, this absolute rabbit hole and it's really cool. I can't wait to get it done. Um, and maybe by that time we'll have the video up and running for the podcast. That's still something that I want to do. Um, and then I can show you guys what I've been working with and, uh, and, and what I've been doing. Um, so yeah, <laughs> the other thing I want to talk about, a bit of a draw, a bit of a, a switch in terms of in terms of subject matter, but there's this guy right, and he lives in Australia, and he's a hundred odd years old. He's um, he's a scientist, and he's fucking old, and he's not dead yet, and he wants to die. Um, so he's leaving Australia. He's flying to Switzerland, and he's going to be given an assisted death. Um, I think people are trying to stop him and, and do all of this and, you know, because suicide's illegal, right? Like in most places, suicide's illegal. But I just think like, isn't it up to you? Like, like if, a, if another country, if another country legislates something to be able to happen and you're, of sound mind and body and you know making your own decisions and you're not a child you know you're not a minor why like why not what's the problem right i think this guy's 104 years old he's a he's a well recognized uh like ecologist botanist um he's done this massive volume on ecology like 30 vol like he's done his life's work right and he's 104 he's lonely he's bored he's a little pissed off and uh, and he's just like fuck it man i want to go on my terms and this is how he wants to do it so um i just want to say that i completely support this sort of thing again i think if you're in sound mind and you're making your own decision and you're not being like brought there by somebody you know but like what about that trap that locked in disease that the guy in the uk was suffering from i think a couple years ago i think he's dead now um like locked in syndrome, I think it's called. I'm not, again, I'm not a doctor, so I can't remember the exact name off the top of my head, but it's effectively like where everything is fucked. Your motor skills, your ability to eat, walk, everything, everything is fucked. Everything is being kept alive. Um, and you can't do it. Like you're, you're completely alive, but you can't do anything. You can't talk, you can't walk, you can't, you can't do anything but your fucking mind still fully functional. Imagine that. Imagine yourself as you are right now, but you can't do anything for yourself and you can't express anything for yourself. You have no, no way of communicating other than blinking. You're confined to a wheelchair. You have to be washed taken to the toilet, cleaned, fed, all by somebody else, but your mind works perfectly. I, 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 I struggle to find something more scary than that. You're paralyzed, you, you can't do anything, but your mind is fully functional. You're literally trapped in your own body. And this guy wanted to get his own kind of assistance. So I don't know if he did in the end. Um, I'd have to look it back up. Um, I don't know if he did in the end, but um, there was all kinds of uproar about assisted suicide and assisted death and things like that. And I'm just like, no way. Oh yes, I think he just took a bunch of medication and then he quote unquote, just uh, died. Um, but it sounded like, you know, they were like, well, if you're not going to fucking help us, we're going to help ourselves, which again, right? When you have these archaic laws, you make, you force people into a position where they have to do something unregulated, more, uh, just more dodgy, more unsafe. Um, and it's just like, why can't we just, why can't we just adapt? Why can't we be more nimble? Everything's so fucking rigid and hard to do. Like these, like the government, the government stopped a, 
and the doctors involved stopped a family from taking their little son to Italy for further experimental treatment. And he died the other day. Alfie. And this is not Alfie Dingley who uh, suffers the seizures. This is another Alfie. Um, and you'll have to excuse me because I don't have the information in front of me right now. It just came to my mind. But um, yeah, but this kid, they were trying to, they were trying to take this little baby to Italy for further, for further treatment, experimentational treatment, things like that. And there's some injunction put against them. And I'm just like, like my my immediate thought is, who the fuck are you to tell me what I can and can't do with my child? What makes you judge, jury, and and complete? you know, uh, final say on something that has nothing to do with you, but has everything to do with me and my family. It's the same with this Alfie Dingley, um, kid that suffers from, uh, the severe form of epilepsy. We gotta wait. His family has to wait on Theresa May to pull her finger out of her ass. And now this other guy that they've put in, um, after Amber Rudd resigned from the home office about granting him a license to be treated with medical cannabis to stop these seizures from happening. So we have to wait for bureaucracy to get a resolution on health of a child. It's disgusting. It makes me sick. And I just wish we could be more nimble. Like if I was Theresa May, who's met this young boy who suffers from all these seizures, who has to be hospitalized after he has a bout of seizures to be put on steroids to build his strength and to make sure he doesn't die. Um, she met him. Now, if I'm the leader of a country, I stand up in front of the entire house and I say, listen, guys, I met this little six-year-old. He has 150 seizures a month. What would you do if that was your child? And the only thing that worked was this. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to grant him. I'm going to grant this whole process a license. I'm going to, I'm going to right here, right now, say, I'm issuing a, an emergency license for Alfie Dingley to receive treatment for medical cannabis right now. So if there's any doctors out there that want to offer this to him, please get in touch. Here's a number. What are we talking about? Problem solved. In fact, she could have turned around to Amber Rudd and said, do you mind um, getting your husband and his company who export all this medical cannabis to every other country in the world, do you think we could get this kid involved? Do that right now. You know, all this bureaucracy is bullshit. You know, and now because of Brexit and we're in the middle of a shit show renegotiating, you know, trade deals with the EU countries and the EU as a whole, you know, and we're going to get raped on that because well, they're effectively saying, fuck you, why not? Um, so we are now reliant on our quote unquote biggest ally, America, giving us a good trade deal, which is definitely not going to happen because that's not how Trump rolls. Um, and so now we have to have Trump visit. He's still not getting a state visit, but he's apparently going to be visiting London on the 17th of July, I think it is. I mean, why? Why? Nobody here wants him. I would almost say that, I would almost say you have an 80% in favor of keeping him out of the country vote. If you put that to the people of this country. I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Go meet him in France or something. You think we want to see him in Leicester Square? I mean, if you do, uh, he's, he can't make any public appearances here. There'll be people following him around. Like, the protests are going to be mental when this happens. So, good luck with that. And again, we play this bureaucracy, then we have to bend and we have to go against what we know. You know, so this puts Theresa May in a sticky position. We've got a local election today. Um, 
yes, election of councillors for the Royal Borough of Greenwich. So I have to go and cast my vote uh, shortly, actually, um, and make sure we try to uh, try to affect this process, you know, in the best way we can. Obviously, we have this medium here, which again, thanks for all your support, guys. I appreciate it. It's awesome, um, you know, and hopefully the waves of sound keeps spreading and uh, and our you know our uh, our voice here is heard by more and more people because that's what we want that's what we want so tell your friends tell your friends but we got to go vote you got to vote you got to affect the election you have to um you have to exercise your ability to have a voice in some way shape or form and then if you can amplify it through a medium like this or social media or something like that then that's your right to do so as well but be honest have integrity um and do your fucking research there's no point voting if you don't know what you're doing just like anything else right read up there's plenty of resources out there. Go read them. Go read a comparative review of the manifestos. It'll take you 20 minutes. There's bullet points out there. Go read that from an independent source, and then make your decision. Um, I think that's it. I was gonna I was gonna talk quickly about uh, Logan Paul attacking one of my favorite comedians, Chris D'Elia, because um, Chris D'Elia made fun of him on uh, on Twitter. And then, uh, and then Logan Paul tried to make fun of Chris D'Elia by saying he has no fans, his fan base is shit. And I'm just thinking like, this could be, this is going to be so easy for Chris. And he bit back a little bit, uh, which was hilarious, but, uh, he, fucking Logan Paul does not want that on his hands. Cause, uh, cause D'Elia is a savage and doesn't give a fuck. And Logan Paul is a retard who does stupid fucking YouTube videos like tasering dead rats, showing people hanged death um, in a forest in Japan. And uh, and his base is seven-year-olds. So if you're Logan Paul, if you're um, one of these like, what's your fucking name? Cash Me Outside or something like that. And then there's, um, then there's these other ones. I saw somebody showed me a video yesterday of a nine-year-old um, who's like some wannabe gangster on Instagram and world star. Uh, driving around like a fucking Mercedes in Beverly Hills. I mean, where are these guys' parents? Most likely behind the camera. Most likely internet whores themselves. Um, but they're certainly prostituting their children out. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's a lost cause. Like, I definitely don't want to have kids and have them interact with any of these youngsters because the youth of today fills me with zero hope. There are spatterings of good kids out there for sure, but on the whole, our society has turned them into just meat sacks with mush for brains. And you got white girls just belting out the N-word to other people, like fucking 12 years old acting like they're gangsters. It's like you're walking around with bodyguards at nine years old because you talk so much shit about so many people and you actually can't defend yourself. I mean, what what is what does that person look like at thirty? <laughs> I mean, they're making tons of cash, but they're gonna spend it. Let's let's be for real, for real about that. There's no financial investment going on there. Okay, I can't see any forward thinking on any of these people's faces, um, or with any of the intended kind of you know any of the content that they put out there. It doesn't scream long term plan. So. You know, even for people like these rappers, like, um, uh, oh God, I'm going to forget his name. <laughs> uh, not Tech Nine. Uh, Yam I think it's like Yamasaki 6ix9ine or Kawasaki 6ix9ine or something like that. Anyways, he's a little stupid fucking idiot that's had six number one singles, by the way. So he's doing his thing on the music scene, apparently. Um, he's got rainbow, um, he's got rainbow braids and tattoos all over his face. And he's talking like that. I've never heard one of his songs, not gonna listen to him, but he talks like this. And he's talking about like, uh, how these girls try to play themselves and like they gotta understand that like a one night thing is just like a one night thing and they don't they don't play themselves that I'm like well this is who the youth is looking up to now so that's your marker Poof 
good grief. Good grief. But, uh, yeah, I just think it's crazy. But going back to the original, Logan Paul does not want to get into a verbal confrontation or verbal, um, a verbal fight with a guy like Chris D'Elia. Because Chris D'Elia is on the spectrum, and Chris D'Elia is hilarious, and, uh, and he'll just rip him to bits. He's got no chance. So he needs to shut the fuck up, and hopefully by now, because it seems to have calmed down a little bit, um, Hopefully somebody's got a whisper in his ear. Um, so yeah, that's that's it for me, guys. I had fun today. It was good today. Um, short one. Uh, have we missed anything? Uh, Trump paid uh, the hush money to Stormy Daniels. By the way, uh, Rudy Giuliani confirmed it and then covered his mouth like he was like uh, like he just realized what he'd said. Um, so there's that as well. But you know, enough about Trump. Um, yeah, I think that's it. We've done almost an hour. We've done almost an hour. Not bad for the afternoon. Right. I'm out. Guys, it's been a pleasure as always. This is episode 29 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast. I'm your host, Daryl. Thank you so much again for listening. Um, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on SoundCloud. Our Facebook page and Twitter pages are up and they have all of the links uh, to the new episodes. But if you subscribe, throw us a thumbs up. Throw some feedback, rate us on there, stars or whatever they've got. Um, it helps people find us. It helps, um, you know, it helps our positioning. It helps our discovery. It helps all of that stuff, guys. And we appreciate it. Um, and we appreciate you. So, um, so thanks for your continued support. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back soon. Uh, that's for sure with episode 30. Don't know what it's going to be about. Don't know when it's going to be, but it's definitely going to be. Um, so we're going to come at you with that next time but for now all the best <laughs>